Hello and welcome to Stick Together, Australia's only national radio show dedicated to workplace and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced in the studios at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally via the Community Radio Network. I'd like everyone to just think of a map of Australia. It's surrounded by sea. 99.8% of everything that comes in and out is is by ship. What this government intends to do is have no Australian participation in it. We need that industry to be here. We need our people to be working in that industry. And there's no reason why we can't have it except there's no will. There's actually a will to do away with the industry here. Kevin Bracken the outgoing secretary of the Victorian branch of the Maritime Union of Australia, at a rally in Melbourne at the end of June. Like a prophecy, just a week before the oil tanker Alexander Spirit slipped into port in Devonport, Tasmania, throwing a stark light on the ever-present threat to the livelihood of Australian crews presented by new federal government policy. Good evening. The Australian crew of an oil tanker is refusing to leave Devonport tonight after being told they'll be replaced when they've reached Singapore. The Alexander Spirit was supposed to set sail on Thursday. An anxious wait stretches ahead for workers on board the oil tanker, the Alexander Spirit, after the ship's sail date was again pushed back. The Australian Maritime Union has told Win News that when the Alexander Spirit arrived in Devonport, the thirty-six member crew discovered that once they took the tanker to Singapore, they would be replaced by a foreign crew. The Australian crew was contracted until 2019, but Caltex, their employer, said in a letter, change trading arrangements was the reason for their dismissal. The Abbott Federal Government is pushing for the removal of the current legal protections for Australian employment in the Coastal Trading Act so that companies like Caltex will be able to use foreign crews within Australian waters, but not have to adhere to Australian rates of pay or conditions. The Alexander Spirit crew refused to budge, citing stress-related illness taking their dispute to the Fair Work Commission. Although the MUA is careful to say that although the Fair Work Commission has found in favour of the company, On appeal, no fines will be incurred since the sale date has been pushed further and further back as the issue went through the Commission. It is worth noting that the only rights to take action workers have in this situation is if the employer agrees to the action, hardly likely, or if there is a serious health and safety concern. Basically, there is little ability for workers to protect themselves from government policy which removes their employment conditions within the present system without incurring massive fines. Senator Abetz, Minister for Employment and Liberal Senator for Tasmania, said on television news that the dispute was just another example of unions using workers for their own agenda. This is a little hard to understand when you realise that the crew will lose their jobs after delivering the ship to Singapore Harbour and that the local shipping protections are being attacked. 
Hidden in all this is an issue the MUA would like Australians to consider. Australia is already down to four oil refineries and two Australian crewed vessels carrying fuel around our coast, compared to eight refineries and 11 vessels in 1996. The MUA believes Australian refining and Australian shipping remains a vital part of ensuring our fuel security into the future. So two issues, local jobs in shipping and national security. I spoke to Labor MP Anthony Albanese, Labor spokesperson on transport and infrastructure, for his take on the Alexander Spirit Affair and indeed the Government's Shipping Legislation Amendment Act 2015. Well, I think Caltex have uh, preempted uh, the policy direction that the federal government uh, want Australia to go in when it comes to shipping. Uh, quite clearly, uh, they have a view that there is no importance in having an Australian shipping industry in spite of the fact that there is uh, very sound uh, economic, environmental and national security reasons why you would want as an island continent that uh, that 99% of our trade uh, goes by sea, that you would want an Australian industry. But what they are doing is uh, putting forward legislation that would remove any preference whatsoever for Australian-based maritime. For people who uh, don't know very much about what actually happens on the sea, there's a lot of old-fashioned notions or words like cabonage, which is uh, something about uh, ensuring that uh, local seamen actually do the internal travelling within local waters, isn't there? It's a standard. That's right. Cabotage is an important principle that's adopted by all industrial nations uh, to one degree or another. Uh, the uh, most uh, clear uh, implementation of cabotage as a policy is that of the United States, where if you want to take uh, domestic freight from San Francisco to Los Angeles, then not only do you have to have a, a US flag on the back of your ship, not only do you have to employ uh, US seafarers, but the ship has to be made in the United States as well. Now that uh, derives from uh, the Jones Act uh, that has bipartisan support in the United States because the US recognises uh, the important links that are there between national security and regulation and uh, having a domestic uh, shipping industry. Now, here in Australia, the legislation that is being put forward uh, would remove any preference at all and would also uh, remove uh, the need for Australian wage rates and conditions to be paid for people who are essentially working in Australia. Now, if you want to take goods from Sydney to Melbourne down the Hume Highway, you can't bring in a Filipino truck with... Filipino safety standards and, and uh, exhausts and uh, occupational health and safety, uh, pay a Filipino truck driver Filipino wages and conditions and uh, 
do your goods in that way because obviously the Australian uh, trucking industry, your Lynn Foxes or your Tolls or your uh, owner drivers couldn't compete with that. But uh, what this government is saying, that uh, exactly that situation can occur if you choose to take those goods on the Blue Highway rather than the Hume Highway. So if you take goods by sea from Sydney to Melbourne, you can have a foreign ship with a foreign flag, with uh, foreign uh, conditions, uh, with uh, foreign wages being paid uh, on that ship. Now, uh, that is quite absurd, and uh, it that will mean uh, the loss of Australian crew and Australian jobs, which because of the link that's there between our merchant fleet and and our Navy as well, is very, very short-sighted by uh, the government. Uh, It seems that they're letting their anti-union fervour get in the way of what is common sense and what is the national interest. Now, I'm just kind of interested about the way the Alexander Spirit uh, issue has uh, developed. I mean, you said that you thought that perhaps Caltex was uh, jumping the gun, but do you think that uh, it shows something of uh, big business and this government working in tandem, hand in glove? Well, it's up to to others to assess that, but uh, what's very clear is that if you provide uh, for business the opportunity Uh, to pay foreign wages rather than Australian wages, then many businesses will take that up. And we shouldn't be surprised that that is uh, the outcome. I mean, this is a government that says that it uh, cares about Australian shipping from time to time, but clearly is uh, putting in place policies that will have a a devastating impact uh, on, uh, on the Australian shipping industry. The uh, decisions that were made uh, in the Industrial Commission made it very clear uh, that uh, the judge was uh, very sympathetic with uh, the uh, mental anguish and trauma being suffered by the people on uh, the the Alexander uh, spirit, uh, when indeed he said, as part of the judgment, he spoke about it's a bit like uh, asking people to... uh, put together the last uh, car out of Toyota or or Ford or Holden. And uh, that's what these workers were, of course, asked to do. Sail their ship to Singapore, knowing that that would be the end of their employment. Now, you've said that uh, the Shipping Legislation Amendment Bill 2015, which is the bill that is going to be used to enforce this sort of behaviour through, that this legislation is worth choices on water. And am I right in saying that a future Labor government would not support it? No, we certainly won't. We'll be strongly opposing this legislation. Uh, This is work choices on water. This is driving uh, circumstances whereby... Uh, foreign wages and conditions will be uh, able to compete against Australian wages and conditions on work that is purely uh, within Australia. I mean, you wouldn't allow uh, two construction sites next to each other, one of them to pay uh, third world wages and one of them to pay uh, Australian wages and conditions. Guess what? Uh, the, uh, The conditions that... Uh, were there in terms of foreign wages and conditions 
uh, will be supported uh, by some employers. Of course, there is a real price to pay. Uh, it is interesting that when there have been incidents off the coast of environmental uh, damage being caused, uh, none of those incidents uh, that have occurred uh, over recent years that were significant have involved Australian flagships, whether it be the Pasha Balka off, uh, off Newcastle or whether it be the, uh, the Shenyang or, or the Pacific Adventure. They've all involved uh, foreign flagships uh, and uh, the circumstances whereby we would have a policy uh, that will wipe out the Australian shipping industry is very short-sighted indeed. No country in the world uh, that is advanced, uh, let alone an island continent like Australia, has such a policy. This is unilateral economic disarmament that Australia will receive nothing in return for and uh, the cause of uh, not just our, our national economic interests but the potential for our environmental uh, position to be uh, disadvantaged as well as our national security interests uh, can't be underestimated. This is a very significant legislation uh, from the government and it's interesting that they launched uh, the, uh, the policy in front of a function in Sydney of the foreign shipping industry. Now, Labor... Uh, believes that there is a role for uh, foreign ships around our coasts. Uh, we support that in a regulated way. But what we d don't do is say that uh, they should be allowed to compete unfairly with the Australian shipping industry. You're listening to Stick Together Show, a union-focused and social justice program broadcast across Australia through the Community Radio Network. At the same time as the federal government is working to remove local shipping protections, forcing local seafarers out of work, a recent Senate report from the Economic Reference Committee into the future of Australia's naval shipbuilding industry reports that it is concerned about efforts to denigrate Australia's shipbuilding capabilities and that despite the Australian government being the sole employer for the industry, it by not ensuring steady and predictable ship orders is significantly undermining the industry's competitive position and the loss of the substantial capital investments required. At the moment, around 7,000 people are employed directly in ship building in Australia, with an additional 24,000 associated jobs. According to Assistant Secretary of the Australian Manufacturing Workers' Union, Glenn Thompson, the entire industry is under threat, unless the federal government commits to continuing to build our Navy's vessels in Australia, our shipbuilding industry will die, Thompson says. The government, in fact, has given contracts for the submarine fleet to Japan and recently the Prime Minister ducked out of visiting BAE Systems shipyard in Williamstown, Victoria, where 160 jobs have been lost. Glenn Thompson spoke to a demonstration called by the MUA in Melbourne recently. It starts off with uh, an introduction by uh, Kevin Bracken. Important for a better world. We want to hand over something decent to our children to live in. And by 
God, have a look. I won't let anyone lose my bike in. It's just think back when you first started work about what conditions you worked under. So I know when I started, it was six months and I had to make you a permanent. Now my children, they're lucky to have a job. They get a job and they say, oh, we'll ring you up and tell you when we want you to come in. Think about how it's gone down. And it's only the tip of the iceberg. Once this free trade agreement comes in, and, they, and this has been a, a long-term plan of big business. The general agreed on trade in service, it was always you know, foremost. Mode four was movement of natural persons. And what they want those natural persons to do is compete against us for our wages and conditions. So we don't want to do that. And this has not been racist at all. We want people in um, overseas countries to have a decent country to live in. We want them to be able to live with what they're earning. But we want them, we want them to come over here and enjoy the conditions that we're enjoying. But what not be used against us by uh, corporations to drive it down. So not only the shipping industry is being built destroyed as well here, we'd like to get our next speaker up, but the shipbuilding industry is being destroyed here. The few ships that we were building, which were naval vessels, this, this government would not even let them quote for the uh, construction of naval vessels here. Let's put your hands together for our next speaker, Glenn. Thanks, Kevin, and thanks for the opportunity to talk to you today about the challenges that thousands of workers around the country are facing in the shipbuilding industry here in Victoria and right across this great country. We've got a situation with 7,000 workers operating in shipyards around the country, a, um, a government that needs to purchase further vessels to support our defence forces, short-sighted, in the opportunity to build research vessels, icebreakers, a commercial shipping um, industry here across Australia. So what do they do? They trade off Australian sovereignty to basically do trade agreements which are anti-worker, anti-Australian in all a matter of terms. For example, a free trade agreement with Japan. Now, you may well be aware that it appears that the government is prepared to sell off our industry and hand over the building of future submarines. Submarines that employ thousands of workers across Australia. You may have heard that there's been a free trade agreement negotiated with Korea. What have they done? They've dropped Australian workers, Australian shipbuilders, out of building our future supply ships. They've effectively said workers in Australia a kick in the guts that you do not have the skills, you do not have the capacity to build ships here in Australia. So what have they done? They've allowed the Koreans and the Spanish to build what our Navy requires. This is an absolute shame. And workers and Australians right around the country need to understand what this government stands for. This government stands for, effectively, the top end of town. This government stands for reducing the sovereign capability of Australia by opening it up to the top end of town and the transnational corporations. Our union and our members around the country have been campaigning for two and a half years. And we see there's a great synergy between the work that we're doing in trying to get jobs here in Australia and the challenges that MUA workers face in relation to this government and the matters around not supporting Australian ship industry. Australian ship industry that builds ships for the future. Australian ship industry that allows Australian um, maritime members to man those vessels. An attack on uh, the 
workers' uh, rights and conditions as a result of what's going on with the cabotage zone. So I welcome the opportunity to address you here today, and the AMWU is planning and will stand in solidarity with the MUA and this industry going forward on all the matters that affect workers across our great country. Thank you. Stick together. Stick together. Stick together. Stick together. Stick together. You're listening to Stick Together on Community Radio. To finish Stick Together today, we have a happy piece of news from Southern Cross University in New South Wales. In the EBA negotiations, the university management tried to sideline the National Tertiary Education Union. It uh, decided to have a general vote for a deal directly with staff. The staff resoundingly voted no to the proposals. I spoke to NTEU branch president, Kate Mitchell, to find out what happened. Management had come to an impasse with us because we would not uh, deal with them on a, a basis of a pay cut. Their initial offer was 1.8%, which was somewhat of an insult to staff here. Uh, they, then, they then went on uh, to, uh, you know, cry poor. They offered us privately 2.6%. And when we said, well, you can obviously offer more because you are now offering more, basically they said, oh, well, we'll just take it to the staff. And when they took it to the staff, they took a 2.4% offer with no job security whatsoever, uh, and staff, of course, uh, were listening in, they were reading our posters, and uh, they could see that management were trying to hoodwink them. Really, it was uh, a member-driven campaign in that uh, the members here didn't want other staff members not realising what was really going on. So we put out a lot of our, um, you know, different statements. Uh, members went and, and looked up different agreements around New South Wales to, to work out the average because management was busy uh, promulgating misinformation. So uh, the, the members drove the campaign to a very large extent and talked to their co-workers who weren't members as well. Now, it's interesting, isn't it, because a lot of uh, uh, people get very nervous and, in, in fact, of course, not everybody on staff are union members and so a lot of the time people will go, uh, obviously the uh, university or whoever is the business putting forward terms that uh, they're doing it in good faith. But there was a lot of evidence that that wasn't the case for Southern Cross University, isn't it? Oh, look, a huge, a huge case. Uh, the, the, the no case really was a no-brainer in that, um, you know, our management went around, they took a roadshow around to the various campuses to address the various work units to try and talk them into this non-union agreement. Uh, people then went and looked at the material that we were providing. Uh, they checked out our website. They went and analysed agreements across the country. So the, the members had seen very obviously that they were trying, you know, management were trying to uh, fool everyone. Uh, we were also very fortunate. At, the timing was fabulous. Just a couple of days before the ballot opened, uh, the um, Australian did a comparison of VCs pays across the country and Peter Lee having $720,000 reported public money when he's sacking staff and telling us that 
we can't afford to pay an industry standard pay. So the industry standard was 3.11%. They were offering 2.4%. He was increasing his own salary over the last four years by 36%. Yes, yes, exactly. And the average increase for executives was 7% pay increase for the period. Yes, correct. And this was happening while a redundancy round uh, was going on. So they were saying, oh, we can't afford, we haven't got enough, you know, we can't keep uh, going with the staff we've got. Now people, you know, two years down the track, people are struggling with their workloads. Um, and to be offered an insulting amount for, for pay was just the last straw, really. Uh, well, let's look at the vote. The majority, 703 no's to 302 yes. Correct. I, I would say that um, there, are, there were a proportion of staff who were fearful because um, we do have a regime here where, you know, it's the VC's way or the highway. So there would have been people who were fearful about the electronic vote. Um, they used a company called... Um, Big pulse, I think it was. Uh, but we, we scrutinied it and it seemed, uh, I think it surprised management, the, uh, the huge, huge no vote. So what you're really saying is that this was a lesson in standing firm. Did you increase your union membership? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we have increased our membership. We have also, um, I think, shown the non-union staff members that we are a serious union. We care about this university. We had a campaign uh, last year, which was Save Our Uni, Save Our Local Jobs, which eventually did embarrass the management here into cutting back on the redundancy program. So we saved about 35 jobs in that campaign and we went out to the community and uh, let the local community know what was happening here and uh, they supported us. It was fabulous. Now, what's the timeline for the next round? Oh, gosh. Um, well, we, we, we have to get this agreement sealed um, at the moment where uh, we've just recently, in fact, this week, um, written to management, reiterated our needs and uh, requested them to come back to bargaining. Um, and we are yet to have a response from the university. Okay, well, we'll keep our eyes on what happens to you, your university and good luck. Thank you very much and thanks, thanks for sharing. And it's true, all together we stand. That is really a fact. That's it for today's episode of Stick Together. We have to thank Anthony Albanese, Kevin Bracken from the Victorian branch of the Maritime Union of Australia, Glenn Thompson from the Australian Manufacturer Workers Union and Kate Mitchell, from the Southern Cross National Tertiary Education Union branch for speaking to us. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au. You can contact the producers of the show at stick.together at gmail.com or by calling 03 9419 8377. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Catch you next time.